Welcome to a Joy podcast from LGBTQIA plus community radio station, Joy 94.9. For more information and tons of other podcasts, head to joy.org.au. This is How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter on Joy 94.9, the show answering the questions you didn't even know you had. This week's guest is veterinarian Dr. Emma Whiston, who specialises in end-of-life care for pets and is the owner-operator of Australia's first home euthanasia service, My Best Friend. Dr. Emma and I discuss whether there is a right time to say goodbye to your beloved pet, explore what, if anything, helps navigate the emotional side of the business, and look at how, while your passion may not be for everyone, you can work to turn it into a very successful business. It's my life work. I have found my niche and my role is to assist animals, mainly dogs and cats, pets, and their and their humans to to walk through the the transition of death. So, um, in a way, I am a death doula. People who are not familiar with that, there are birthing doulas who help women birth, and there are now death doulas who, in the human world, who help help people to die well. So I am a death doula. I am <laughs> um, a veterinarian with a degree <laughs> as well. <laughs> but these days I help um, facilitate peaceful deaths and I do that in the, um, in the pet's own home. Dr Emma specialises in offering end-of-life care to pets in the comfort and safety of their own home. Why is it so important that it happen at home? Look, it's yes, it's a crux of it all. I think there are many pets who don't like going to the veterinary clinic for various reasons. Some don't like the car, some don't have cats, don't like being put in a box, some don't like the smells and the sounds of the clinic. Um, and you know, they usually have things done there, injections and thermometers, temperatures taken. Um, so lots of pets hate going to the vet. Some love, love it as well, but most of them don't like it. Um, and the other thing is that euthanasia in a veterinary clinic is, is a very different experience to the experience that I provide in the animal's home. It's much less clinical. It's a very different experience, yeah. So being at home is, is the point. It's, it's uh, you know, I haven't worked in a clinic for 16 years. Mm-hmm. I've been a vet for 26 years, but um, I, we started up my best friend 16 years ago and I haven't done a euthanasia in a clinic since then. I've done euthanasias in parks and on beaches and all manner of places, but not, not the clinic. <laughs> It seems clear that there would be a market for a service like the one that Dr. Emma provides. But how did she get here? What has led Dr. Emma to creating My Best Friend? My father is a veterinarian and so I'm and I'm the youngest of five five kids. I'm fifty now. I think my brother's sixty nearing sixty-five. So we're five of us spread over that time. Uh, we grew up had a beautiful childhood with lots of animals, um, dad being a vet. This is back in the 70s and so we did a lot of veterinary stuff at home. Dad comes from the UK. They came over as 10-pound poms in the late 60s and um, for anyone who knows, you know, uh, um, the show All Creatures Great and Small, the books, James Herriot, that's how he um, worked in England and, you know, that's, that's he did have a clinic 
here um, in the eastern suburbs. But, yeah, we did at home, we did a lot of stuff at home um, with our own animals. And one of those things was when the time came, the euthanasia, we did that at home uh, with all the family around and it was often, it was a really positive experience. We, you know, pop music on and light candles and have awake and, you know, it was really beautiful, pick flowers and it was just a really positive experience so I, I guess I've been born into it um I, I went off to veterinary school I didn't, so I didn't think back then oh that's what I'm going to end up doing at all um you know life doesn't go in a straight line from A to B you go sideways and around and backwards and up and down until you reach the point yeah so I went to veterinary school and it was um completely different to my experience with with my dad um um, and uh, did all of that, went out into practice and, yeah, just did small animal general practice um, and, you know, there's a high burnout rate for vets and um, a high um, rate of mental health problems and suicide. So, yeah, went through a lot of stuff, burnt out and didn't want to be a vet anymore. <laughs> so I, I ran away to the theatre to train as an actress and, or an actor, I should say. And I ran away to the zoo to drive a, a bus <laughs> and be a safari guide and um, had a couple of human kids. And then um, it just sort of kind of, um, yeah, something just formed in my head and I thought I love the old dogs and cats. That's what I love. So I, it kind of, you know, I hate to sound, you know, but it was very organic. <laughs> While it was an organic progression... Dr. Emma hasn't always specialised in pet euthanasia, and for a while, she didn't even want to be a vet anymore. But now she's owned and operated My Best Friend for 16 years. I wanted to know why she does it. There's nothing else I'd rather be doing, and I think lots of people have said, you know, if you can find something that you love and it can become your work and your source of income, that's just the best and that's how I feel and I do feel really lucky that I found it and that I'm privileged to be able to help people in this way and that, you know, I didn't just burn out as a vet and then, you know, feel um, like so many of my colleagues just feel like I've sort of failed at being a vet. I've got lots of friends who are now just, you know, they're not vets anymore because of lot. there are lots of reasons for burnout and compassion fatigue. And I have very bitter memories and uh, about it, about having done the training for so long. So, yeah, so I, I, I don't want rub it in, but um, it is a niche and it's my niche and I'll be doing it for as long as I live. And you know, no two days are the same. Each day brings a new story um, or a few new stories and, you know, the, the absolute pleasure of hearing, hearing people's stories about, you know, about their pet and how much they mean to them. Some incredible, incredible stories I get to hear. Dr Emma is extremely passionate about what she does and has found her niche. What exactly does a day at work with Dr Emma look like? It actually starts with the first phone call and Greg spends... Um, on average about 20 to 30 minutes on on the first contact with a client and so he he um it's really important to to get find out who it is on the end of the phone and you know what um who their pet is and what's the problem get the history um and so there's a lot of um preparation done on that on that first phone call so when i arrive i you know i am well informed that 
the people are well informed about who I am. We have a really informative website as as well, which people can read through. But once I arrive, I do the main question that people have. They want to know that it is the right time to be going ahead. Is it or are they calling it too early? Have they left it too late? And that's the main thing that people are worried about. Um, the second thing, or probably equal first actually is that they're they're frightened and and worried about how we're going to go about this and how we peacefully achieve um death and so I spend I go in as a visitor I don't wear vet clothes I don't smell like a vet or look like a a vet that sounds very I'm like I'm pigeonholing vets but pretty much wear yeah just wear casual clothes and just be myself and and go in and have a seat and just take time and I think that's the that's part of the thing is is to take time um which you don't have in the clinic so in the clinic you're under pressure and you've 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 got surgery waiting for you and people in the waiting room I don't have any of that I've got the luxury of time so I can sit down and uh and listen um and talk and inform and I run through the people yeah what I'm going to do so when when we're ready um and we've run through the psychosocial factors as well which is something that is not often covered um we didn't learn that at, at veterinary school we were taught to focus on the animal and um not so much on 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 psychosocial issues that the person or the family may have which can include things like you know you could have a family of five and four of them are absolutely sure it's time and one of them is really angry and cross because they don't think it's time so it's sitting down and having a family meeting with them and running through that and other things are just checking out where people are at and what issues they may have. I had a lady the other day who has a needle phobia so working out first before I start what what the people need so it's really personalized so with the euthanasia when 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 we've all talked about what everybody needs and I've had a chance during that time to observe the animal in their own home and to make sure that we are doing the right thing I I will do an examination of course if needs be but most of the animals I see are clearly clearly you know dying and suffering and and are in pain so that's you know being able to observe them in home is 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 an absolute luxury which that doesn't happen at the clinic because they're they're scared or nervous so when I start the euthanasia I always use a pre-med um so I I call it a twilight anesthetic and it's a mixture of three different drugs that I use for, for the pre-med and they're combined together in one syringe that I give very gently under the skin at the back of the neck so it's a subcutaneous injection um, and it, over sort of three four five minutes depending on what condition the animal has um, they'll get beautifully sleepy and all their aches and pains will go away and they'll feel just blissful and they'll go off into a light anesthetic and the reason I do that is because the final injection which helps them to pass away goes has to go directly into the bloodstream so it's an intravenous injection Um, and in order to find a vein um, you know sometimes if you have a family around of sometimes I have 10 people there (laughs) sometimes it's just one and they want to cut all their animal and I sometimes it's 10 so to actually um, 
be discreet and, and to do a discreet intravenous injection. Sometimes I use a hind leg so that the people can be at the front, um, um, you know, and to, to do it all really carefully is, is, is wonderful. You know, helping pa patients die takes as much care and expertise as curing a patient in my mind. Um, it's very important to do it really, really well for everyone. Dr. Emma mentioned that one of the first things people want to know when she arrives is whether or not it's the right time for them to say goodbye to their pet. Does Dr. Emma think there is a right time? And if so, when is it? I think there is. I do, yes. I think there is a right time. Um, so many people say, how can, how can, yeah, when it is the right time, how can, how come the right thing feels so wrong? Um, because we're making that choice to to provide euthanasia. Um, and even though euthanasia means a, a good death in Greek, um, and it's good to point that out to people, it's providing a good death. Um, it's um, There's a lot of people who feel very guilty or feel that they shouldn't be playing God and taking a life. But, um, yeah, I have, um, look, I definitely, um, I've got quantitative um Again, it's it's the history of the animal. It's what the animal has. It's knowing the trajectory of these diseases. It's which takes does take experience, um, lots of experience to sort of get to the point where you can say, okay, that's what's happening. This is this is what's and going through with the owners the trajectory of the disease and what they're going to see and. Um, what when they see this mm -hmm, that's that's actually the start of you know the time that we should we should do these things I think there's also um I also do rely on qualitative um things and observing the animals and I've seen so many animals in pain and you you can see it in their eye and people do say you know he told me he let me know today or um, you know, it's um, it's in his eyes, and and he looks exhausted or tired. Um, but certainly, it's not. There's not one simple answer. It's again very individualized, personalized, and it's putting lots of things together. Um, but there are these days um, quality of life um, surveys that people can fill out, which are helpful. Oh, look, I'd rather having saying the right time. I I'd rather go, you know, a week too early in inverted commas than a day too late and so I think that you know I would rather I say I'm often saying to people why why would we let you know Frank keep on going because it's only going to get worse I can tell you now this is what's going to happen over the next few days weeks um, and why let him go through that He's terminally ill. He has cancer. We've done everything that we can. Why not, um, you know, have have a great day, go to the beach or have some ice cream or whatever, you know, that you can have a bucket list um, that you can work through for your, for your pet over, you know, the last week or so. And it, bucket lists are fantastic. Like dog bucket lists are very interesting. <laughs> Owners come up with some really creative things that they love in particular. And actually doing that bucket list and honouring that the time is coming and doing it, you know. So early and late for me, I try not to use too much and right time, I don't know, it's clearly tough for even Dr. Emma to definitively say when the right time is. 
But in any case, my best friend was created to ensure that whenever pet owners do make that decision to say goodbye to their pets, it's done peacefully and comfortably. Pets are so very important to so many people, and in some cases are more like family than pets. How does Dr. Emma handle dealing with that reality? Their, their pets are children. I see a lot of um, people who don't have children, whether or not they've chosen not to or they, they've been unable to. But, um, yeah, actually having to, to help um, their child die and to, to take their child away. Look, some people, it's, it's a whole range. Yeah, most people are completely gutted and completely raw and very emotional um, uh, and, you know, it, it's essential to address that and, and to help them. And if I can't help them, it's essential to provide support for them or, you know, to make sure that they're okay. Considering how very important this part of Dr Emma's work is, how much of my best friend is for the pets and how much is for the owners? As vets, we weren't trained uh, to take care of the people so much um in the past few years I've done training um, and gained certification with the International a um, Association of Animal Hospice and Palliative Care and they're based in America and um and you know that a lot of their training is uh, is definitely um about the people and about their bond the human animal animal bond and you know what what they need so um yeah so that, that's equally as important a really large part of what dr emma's job is is having a large amount of empathy for both her clients and their pets does dr emma's entire life focus on empathy or is it just part of her job i think i am with everyone i think um i i do like to look after everyone and care for them I'm like to think I'm generous and highly emotionally intelligent and um all of those things um and those things as I said you know I burnt out a couple of times in my 20s and 30s and you know you need to know how to live with those qualities and um you know you can learn practical um practical things CBT stuff you can do and compassionate um, detachment is actually a learned skill but no I am in everything um, I do I think I've got you know um, my dad's uh, sort of I don't know maybe because he was always so kind and generous it's just what I know and mum too <laughs> mum gets left out a little bit sorry mum <laughs> Armed with a skill set inherited from her parents and training available to strengthen those skills, Dr. Emma's job must still be quite draining. How does she continue to do it day in and day out? Okay, so what do I do? I make sure my husband, Greg, is my practice manager. So he he um, takes care of all the, the operational, logistical um, parts of, of things So he and he answers the phone. So that took a lot of the load off me. Um, I do get lots of sleep. Um, I do um, uh, meditate. I, I do enjoy really simple things. Got two children. We're very close, the four of us in the family, and we laugh a lot. <laughs> so we have a lot of fun together. So I'm very fortunate to have Greg and the kids, yeah. 
Family plays a big role in keeping Dr. Emma laughing and happy through even the tough days. But I want to know about the good days. Assisting with a comfortable and peaceful transition for families is what My Best Friend is built around. And the fact it's been operational for 16 years is evidence to the fact that it's a very successful business. What are the good days? What about the joy in her work? Absolutely joyful. Yeah. So a lot of people have, um, I get people who have had bad experiences in the past with the euthanasia um, because euthanasia can be very traumatic for, for everyone, for the owner, for the pet, and also for the veterinarian. So, um, you know, my goal has been to make sure that everything I do is what I do for my own pet. There's no fear, there's no pain. Um, uh, and, you know, when that happens in a day, um, say I see two or three or, or four um, people uh, with their pet in a day and they all go beautifully and it's all smooth, um, uh, that's great. And people have often put off having their pet euthanized because they're fearful of the process. And so absolute joy is, is when afterwards they say to me, wow, you know, that was really beautiful, that was profound, and I feel relieved. I feel really relieved and um, complete. So, you know, to get to that other side, yeah, a lot of people, and we get such beautiful, we get beautiful letters and amazing stuff that, that um, you know, that people say afterwards. The joy in what she does The fact that Dr. Emma has found her passion in life and the support of her family has allowed her to continually grow the business My Best Friend. Let's hear more about that. Our service, My Best Friend, was the first service in Australia to to offer this. And as I said, it just came. um, I I didn't know that in America there were a couple of services starting to do the same thing. So in Australia, it's the first dedicated, um, you know, at-home end-of-life care service. Um, and a lot of my colleagues thought I, I was crazy because one of the risk factors for, for, you know, mental health and burnout for veterinarians, a lot of them don't like doing euthanasias. So, um, you know, a, a lot of people were like, what? And did, thought, well, that's just... A bit crazy, and when we started, we we did about ten euthanasias a month. Um, so, and now it's grown. We do up to eighty euthanasias a month now. So, I am very busy. People thought Dr. Emma was crazy when she decided to create a business focused on end of life care for people's pets. There is an obvious need for this service, and the business is growing every day. So much so that Dr. Emma has had to hire new vets. A lot of my colleagues and friends um, do think in the nicest possible way that I'm a, a bit freaky, um, so a little bit of a freak with it in a nice way um, to do that because, um, you know, we've got two, I've put two other vets on who are part-time and they're experienced vets, they're older vets, and so it's interesting hearing the challenges, you know, when they come out and we debrief. It's interesting to hear, you know, that even after all these as, as vets and I think they've both worked in emergency, um, which is um, 
pretty full on. Um, you know, even given that, the whole situation of being in people's homes and having a family's eyes on you as you work and not having a nurse with you uh, and not having backup, it's, it's a very difficult job. Um, for me, it's not, but in general, very difficult. And you would need to be, you know, I'd love someone who, who would like to um, be my apprentice. So, you know, I need a couple of people because um, it's growing and it's, uh, which is a good thing. And, yeah, recently with the COVID-19 situation, it's, um, there's a few practices out there, that veterinary practices that are not able to take in more than one family member, even at the time of euthanasia. So we've had a massive, um, we've, been really busy and you know I could do with a couple more of myself because I feel awful you know with turning people away because we just can't can't get to them so I'm I'm always on the lookout for anyone who wants to <laughs> give it a go <laughs> shout out <laughs> yeah. while her job isn't for everyone and Dr Emma understands that she has made a business out of her passion it was nice to get her perspective on what people looking at euthanizing their pets could or should do in preparation. Do a bucket list, but I would, I always say, but don't go ahead and feed. I mean, and usually a bucket list for a dog, in, if it is still eating, involves a lot of you know, food, like, you know, a lot of the people do cheeseburgers and um, whole roast chickens and salmon and fillet steak and stuff. So, um I would, I would say don't give them an upset tummy in the last few days because that will defeat the purpose and it, their life will end, you know, with a sore tummy, which we don't want. Uh, I, what do I say to people? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of vets say to people, you know, there's nothing we can, more we can do. Take, take her home and just love her and just, you know, spend the time. But I had a client the other day say to me, you know, the vet said that to me, but I do love her all the time. I love her with all my heart every day. I couldn't love her anymore. Um, so I think it's, um, yeah, just spend as much time. If you can get time off work, that's fine. Um, I've, I've written letters for people um, to express what they're going through. Over 30% of, of um, people experience more grief with the loss of their pet than they did with a human member of their family. Um, that's, that's a true um, statistic, research done. And that's where I think you, your pet parents come into it, the, the ones who, who don't have the um, um, human children there. It, it is losing a child that is, you know, it's huge. So get make time off work, time together, bucket list um you know whatever the animal needs I mean some dying animals you know you can wash their face with a, a, a warm I mean give them something to do my dad always said that give give the owner something to do at home and part of that um is creating you know a beautiful bed I've seen people you know build you know altars of flowers and like big princess beds and um and candles and have the pet's favorite music on and sing to them um you know whatever that particular animal needs let's really honor that and and let's get the owner you know doing something because 
that's a really good way to channel the grief or the anticipatory, you know, anxiety and grief. You know, there's, there's lots and lots of things that can be done, but again, it's personalised. It's here Dr Emma has a really nice thought about what her job means to her, and we then talk more about how personal what she does really is. I knock on the door, and so I don't know what these people look like or the pet looks like or their home looks like, and it's, it is like, you know, walking through, you know, a... And a magical door and knocking on that door is and walking in and entering and becoming part of that um, is really special. And so, yeah, I tend to ask the people, um, what what does your, you know, what, what does Sally like best? And some of the things are really interesting. I had a cat the other day who just loves, um, you know, pink tissue paper. So, <laughs> like, she just from a young age has enjoyed she doesn't want to have a bed or anything like that. She just um, has pink tissue paper that she really, really likes. So there's, that's where I think, yeah, I, I do ask the people beforehand or Greg does as well and, um, and, and we give permission and we say go, celebrate and, um, you know, really create, create absolute heaven, you know, for them. And make sure. Let's make, always make sure the pain, um, the cornerstone of, of end of life care is obviously quality of life, which involves you know pain management. So um, you know must always make sure that the pain meds or uh, the meds. You know, I mean, it's about caring, not curing. So we're we're treating symptoms. We're not we're we're not curing, but we're making sure that animal does have. Um, you know, conventional, you know, drugs on board. Uh, it's no good having a pretty, you know, bed if, if you're in pain. So that is part of it. And sometimes I do a visit before the euthanasia. Uh, not often, but often I will. Not often, but often. <laughs> sometimes I, I'll do a visit, a, a primary visit to meet everyone beforehand um, and to assess the situation. If if um, because most a lot of our clients are referred by other vets these days, um, that it did start out as word as word of mouth and and things like that. But we have um, about a hundred clinics in Melbourne who do work with us and um, collaborate, you know, for the for the um, benefit of of the client and and the animal. They they get it now and it, we work together. So the animal has an interdisciplinary team. Um, and that, that that's really fantastic. So I'll go in and have you know make sure everything's in order. If we need extra medication, you know we have that so that the animal is um, definitely comfortable for that for that week. So, but giving people you know something to do uh, is is really um, proactive and important. I had such a unique chat with Dr. Emma, and I hope it was just as enlightening and as interesting to you. We finished our chat by discussing some preconceptions about end-of-life care and vets generally. I'll leave you with those thoughts. Um, I think people already know that I'm really doing my very, very best for them and their pet. People know that I'm going to take really good care of that pet because most of my um, clients opt for cremation and we work in conjunction with a fantastic cremation company and I want them to know that, you know, they're loved pet their pet child is is looked after and their body is treated you know with respect 
and with care right through the whole process. For the veterinary profession, I do want to say that I, I want people to know because the vets often cop quite a lot because people are upset and emotional. And recently there has been a lot of um, um, media about you know, the vet suicide rate um, is, is, is really, really high. And um, so I want people to, out there to know about the profession that your veterinarian um, is, is not the enemy. The, vet, the vets are doing their very, very best and um, to try and be kind to them. There is a charity called Love Your Pet, Love Your Vet um, now, which is raising awareness in the community um, you know, about um, veterinary mental health and, yeah, just, just your vet's trying, trying the best. <laughs> We're all human and, um, yeah, and it's not an easy job. Um, veterinary clinics, you know, vets change emotional gears many times throughout the day and vet nurses as well. I mean, vet nurses are incredibly undervalued and um, just try and um, think before, before you um, get cranky at them. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dr. Emma, for being on the show. You can find out more about My Best Friend and Dr. Emma at mybestfriendonline.com.au. Thanks for listening to another episode of How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter. If you think you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, get in touch. Email howdoyoudothat at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community radio station, Joy 94.9. For more podcasts or to support Joy by becoming a member, donating or subscribing, head to joy.org.au.